Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Olympic Games will come to London in 2012. After a tense voting session earlier today, London eventually beat Paris by just four votes. The building work in East London will start almost immediately the Games returned to the city for the first time since 1948. Johnson galloping up in the middle. It's Heidegger Johnson. It's still Johnson. It's 1-0 Chelsea. What a great start. Cole really running at Van Bronckhurst. As John said, it's working well for Cole. The shot's deflected. And it's in. Frank Lampard's made it too. They might be watching another goal here. It's tough. He's through. This is unbelievable. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller. Opposite me, as ever, is Jonathan Wilson. And today we have Adam Hurry on the podcast, writer and editor at The Athletic. Adam, a pleasure to have you with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Now, today you've gone for a Champions League second round match, second leg of that tie Mm -hmm. into 2004-2005 season. It was Chelsea against Barcelona. And the particular match we're going to talk about is Chelsea Four Barcelona two at Stamford Bridge. It was a barn burner. Oh. Why, why have you gone for this one, Adam? <laughs> oh, so many reasons. Um, <laughs> primarily a personal thing, really, because I was never a match goer as a kid. And oh four oh five was the first season I started going to football. I, I just got a job in London. And I had the kind of the means, and, the, and it became practical for me to go and watch football for the first time. So I was really naive in the match going experience. Mm. Just tiny things like when the opposition score and then there's that kind of half second delay before they start before you can hear their (laughs) celebration just little things like that that you just didn't you didn't get from the telly Mm -hmm. so so it's a very vivid memory for for me purely for that reason but um secondly it i think it's it's a real kind of milestone in in the history for for chelsea Mm. for english football and european football i think it's a real line in the sand in that sense and we'll go on to that in detail later but um also on a 
you know, sort of specialist subject for me. If someone said the word pulsating to me, <laughs> which, is, which is a word only used in football, yeah. you never hear the word pulsating anywhere else. And pulsating to me says 4-2. There is no other scoreline that can be pulsating. <laughs> not 4-3. Uh, no, no, 4-3 is too much. And anything else, that, yeah, that's way too much going on. A, a solid 4-2. You can see the narrative there already. And, uh, I love how you've nailed your colours to the mast. So when I, when I was asked to choose a game, I thought, right, what game finished 4-2? I cross-referenced the, you know, the Excel spreadsheet in my head and that, and that that's what came out. Yeah, well done for not choosing 1966. <laughs> <laughs> not a good game. I've watched it back. It's terrible. Don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, this is, of course, Mourinho's Chelsea, Jonathan. I mean, I was covering this game and I do remember uh, when the third Chelsea goal goes in to put them ahead yeah. on aggregate, and and which was, what, seven, 17 minutes in, I think? Yeah, uh, 19 goal. minutes in mm-hmm. the third goal. And, you know, one of those, I mean, increasingly rare as I get older and more cynical, but moments of, of being at a game thinking... Oh, what a what a privilege to be here! Mm. And that it's still seventy minutes to go. Still, yeah, Ronaldinho's yeah. brilliant. Still, uh, controversial Ricard- winner. Ricardo Carvalho shithousery, <laughs> given the whole load. Of- but it's also, I mean, this game. Um, I'd sort of, you know, it's it's funny how the mind plays tricks. I, I sort of remembered it as being a great game, but I hadn't sort of appreciated, uh, you know, the, the fact you're talking about there being this sort of um, at the centre of so many strands, mm. and the fact that. This is where Mourinho really becomes dark Mourinho. Oh, yeah. this Absolutely. Is, this is where UEFA recognise, hang on, mm. this isn't quite right. And obviously, <laughs> that's to an extent the first leg. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's so much going on. Mm. You, I, can't, you can't understate that first season that Mourinho had at Chelsea, how he was like this sort of Bond villain or, or grey character in, in a Bond film. And Chelsea had... They'd had some success in Europe, of course, winning mm-hmm. the Cup Winners' Cup um, in uh, sort of late nineties, if my memory serves me. Yeah, yeah, Zola getting the goal, uh, and and you know the, the the Chelsea team, you know they were a big side. They hadn't won the league, of course, uh, you know, hadn't won the Premier League b- yep. before Mourinho going there, uh, and the Champions League was a competition. They'd done okay, I think. What semi final under Ranieri, uh, being knocked out by Monaco? Yeah, the season before, absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah but, which, but I mean, which was uh, just one of the worst bits of management. I've ever seen. Now again, I was I was in at the game in Monaco, so the, the red card happens. Yeah, and then suddenly Ranieri decides, right, we're going to play really narrow and sort of just fun loving down the middle of the pitch. All I remember is Robert Huth at right wing back, and that's yeah. the only thing I remember about that game. That's yeah. all I want to remember. <laughs> what about? But you need you need a bit of grit and determination, so you bring on Sebastian Veron. Was that right? <laughs> well, it just you know, it's a it's really it's a basic thing when you're. When the opposition's down to ten, stretch the game as much as you can, drag them apart. Don't yeah. don't just put on three forwards and go through the middle. Mm. And it, it's extraordinary. So they mistake. went out with a bit of a whimper when you yeah. know semi final against yeah. Monaco against essentially quite a, a not a great team down yeah. to ten uh, men. Uh, yeah, I mean that was all right, Monaco side, but it was a real chance for Chelsea to to reach the final, of course. So when Mourinho comes in and they have you know a decent side. Uh, they, they, you know, they they go through quite handsomely in mm. in the group. They're drawn against Barcelona, and it's kind of like, oh, what have you got now? Well, the, um, the evolution from Ranieri to Mourinho is, is, was perfect for Chelsea fans because suddenly everything felt so safe and so sure. Players who play who have played under him said, especially at Chelsea, they said we we went into a game knowing exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Mourinho told us what was going to happen in the game, and, and more often than not, it's exactly how it panned out. Well, this is Vita Bayer. Yeah, Vita Bayer, the interview I did with him, I mean, I'm sure he said it elsewhere, but I, I interviewed him for uh, the Barcelona Legacy, yeah. and he was saying, specifically at Porto, there was a game when they were playing Benfica, 
Uh, and Vida Bass seemed to actually have confused two games here. But anyway, let, let's go with what he said happened, which isn't actually quite what happened. Uh-huh. That Mourinho said, oh, look, this referee's weak. We're going to get a man sent off. <laughs> and when we do, this is how we beat them with 10 men. Yeah. And sure enough, 10 minutes from the second half was a very, you know, soft red card. And so it pans out. And yeah. to me, that's con- that was an alien concept to both fans, as in being so assured of what was going to happen in the game because the, because the manager said it. And before the first leg, Mourinho named both teams in the press conference mm. that, that that was his kind of level of his arrogance the perfect sweet spot of his arrogance at that yeah. time and um he, to me it was kind of an alien concept for english football as well because this second leg was a perfect example of a really good subgenre of football which is the which is the return leg of an english team at home after having sort of got the result they wanted in the first leg or maybe even beaten or, or, or maybe or they got the away goal or, yeah. may, or maybe having even been beaten narrowly mm. it's this concept of taking us back to, to taking them back yeah. to our place mm. which is such an old english kind of traditional <laughs> yeah. thing and 0405 was kind of this turning point in english football where we started to really embrace foreign ideas i know wenger had been there and he brought in pasta and all that sort of stuff but <laughs> But at this point, we became, you know, tactically aware. This wasn't just about we'll get them to our place and just steamroll of them. It was just mm. like finally we've got a manager who who understands tactics. He knows how to match the old continentals at their game. Mm. So, but as it turned out, for the first twenty minutes, that's exactly what happened. They did steamroll of them. Yeah. It was like yeah. an you know English team bringing them back and right. showing them how it's done in a physical way. But mm. it was all done under this auspices of a of a tactical not well genius but also just a control freak mm-hmm. and he knew what was going to happen well then Chelsea they they had a bit of power yes and a little bit of pace as well and that will always count for something in football well and, and that was how they they got the result they wanted in at the Camp Nou mm. if you if you watch that back the number of times that I mean Barcelona keep getting caught high trying to play you know uh, Rijkaard's pressing game mm. and again and again the pace of of Duff particularly re- and, and Drogba to a lesser extent but mainly Duff really kind of causes Barca problems. So it's a fir- the first half of that first leg, and we should, I guess, explain what happens in the first leg because it is... Rather crucial in a well, two-legged Well, it, it sets up the second <laughs> leg, but it also kind of sets a load of narratives in motion. Yeah. Uh, the Barca had most of the ball in the first half. They were, had a load of half chances, reasonable chances, but Chelsea going 1-0 up from a... a, a Damien Duff goal? Damien Duff went down the right and it was Mm. Belletti who scored the own goal and and yeah, it was in some ways a classic Mourinho goal despite being an own goal. You couldn't almost couldn't design it but yeah, it was exactly the sort of result you would expect from a counter-attack. And then early in the second half, Drogba challenges uh, Victor Valdez, Mm. gets gets an offer it. It's a second yellow, I think, isn't it? I think so. I think Mm -hmm. so. But it's, it's one of those fouls where yes, it's a foul is Victor Valdez as mortally wounded as he appears? No. Well, just fouling a goalkeeper is, is it, yeah. brings everyone out in hysterics because yeah. it just shouldn't happen. You're not oh, allowed to tackle goalkeepers. They're very delicate people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're fragile. Indeed. Um, and Barca then scored twice. But then Mourinho, after the game, says that at half-time, he, he, he says he saw, mm. which given it didn't happen, he could not have seen. And he subsequently admitted he'd been told about it. Mm. Um, the referee, Anders Frisk, inviting Reichardt into his room. Now, what had happened was Reichardt had approached him as they went to the tunnel to complain about the first goal and, and yeah, he was claiming Duff was offside. Um, but of course, when Drogba was sent off a few minutes into the second half, you, you don't have to, there's not much addition to be done there to kind of see, oh, hang on, what happened in that meeting which never happened in, in, in the referee's room? And Frisk yeah. gets such grief for this. Well, he ruins he ends, his career, doesn't he? It ends his career. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. just ruin it. Sorry, yeah. He, he, he retires. Now, Frisk had been... Uh, was it earlier this season or had it been the previous season? He'd been hit on the head. I think it was earlier this season. He'd been hit on the head 
by a coin thrown uh, by yeah. a Roma fan That's at right. the Olympico. Yeah. So uh, look, I, I, it wasn't. This was not the only thing that happened to Frisk. You know, it certainly, in the it certainly didn't help. But we, should, we shouldn't forget he was also a mildly preposterous figure. Anyway. Oh, look, he was. A, a but he was also just a referee. He was a ridiculous popinjay who, who <laughs> kind of. Um, he was not one of those referees. You, I mean, yeah. You know, the, the, the cliche is that you don't notice a good referee. I was going to say you, <laughs> you noticed, are always going to know. You know yourself, <laughs> frisky. <laughs> um, actually, I think it was a lighter, not a coin. Sorry, it was a lighter. Okay. Right. I mean, it's still a, a projectile. Um, I mean, yeah. You know, just because he's got fancy highlights doesn't mean you can mm. no? you, you can throw lighters at him or issue death threats or even lie about him inviting a, a manager into his room at half time. Yeah, but this was you've you've written about Mourinho in a Barcelona legacy and 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 other pieces and so on. You know, the, the idea of the sort of fallen angel of Barcelona and so on. Do you think, Jonathan, this? Off memory, I think was this the first time he'd come up against them. Was this a real point to prove? No, it's it's a, well against Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, it probably would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was certainly he hadn't played them that many times. Whether yeah, it no, was the I, first think, time I think and... it probably was the first time he'd been back there. And, and yeah, we. Probably and was this the fixture he wanted? Do you think he's rubbing his hands together, going, I'm, "Yeah, I'm probably." I mean, I think we didn't perhaps quite appreciate just how sour that relation or. That's how that relationship already was. It obviously gets much worse when Guardiola gets gets a job ahead of him in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think maybe at the time we didn't we didn't quite understand how he'd felt an outsider there. Mm-hmm. That even though he'd been a coach and, and you know, seemingly had a very good relationship with Guardiola when Guardiola was a player, he looked when they won the Cup Winners' Cup yeah. um, <laughs> under Bobby Robson at, at the final whistle. They're hugging each other. Well. Mourinho runs on the pitch and Guardiola's a player he makes for and Guardiola sees him coming and sort of points at him as if, <laughs> yeah, you're the man who's made this happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there was a clear closeness there, mm-hmm. uh, which is is sad. But, you know, he was always referred to as the translator. Yeah. And that clearly got to him. That he, you know, he was in, a, in an environment of all these great football people and a point was being made he was not one of the great football people. Yeah, and as you say, Adam, before the first leg, he names... The Barcelona side a day mm. before the game, and he really, really relishes and enjoys doing that in in a, in a almost of an arrogant kind of way. Well, there's that, there's that, um, and he, this is yeah something he said subsequently, but uh, not that much later. He said, talking to the media as part of the game. Mm. When I go to a press conference before a game, in my mind, the game has already started. <laughs> when I go to a press conference after a game, the game hasn't finished yet, or if it has finished. The next one has already started. Yeah, he's totally unapologetic. About <laughs> trying to put himself. I mean, he was never really a player, was he? Yeah, but you're yeah, right. That, that's how he can be a player. That's, that's yeah. how he can say, "Look, I'm part of the match." Mm. Well, the, the Mourinho soap opera felt fresh. Then it didn't feel like a tired concept. That but we loved have to it. Oh, it, it was. It's generally like, entertaining. Like, I know we kind of sort of point the finger, and rightly so, because as you say, what what he was saying about Frisk was piss poor, and and subsequent other things. But in well, it, the really poor thing about Frisk is that a few months after this, he's on Portuguese TV, and he's asked about, it and he sort of laughs about it. Mm. Yeah, like, he's ended the man's career. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'd have, you know, if if he'd said, "Look, I, I I overstated what I believe to be true, and I shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. I'm sorry. I really regret everything." I don't think he's ever done that. Then, then I, any, I would have, anything I'd he's have ever far done. more respect for him. But to laugh about it, mm. yeah. But this 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 man is just endlessly fascinating, even now. Yeah. But this was 
the the real kind of start of it for us in this country, I'd say. Yeah, but he and Rijkaard were, were kind of going at it verbally before the, before yeah. the kind of tide even started, and sort of halfway between between the legs as well. And Mourinho poked fun at him for having won zero trophies while he'd won a few. And Rijkaard was kind of measured in his response. He just said you know, he praised Chelsea for being a kind of functional team, and, mm. and that's about as far as he went. But this wasn't just about Mourinho. This was kind of a burgeoning European rivalry as well because they played each other in the in the in the Champions League about four years previously. Chelsea had done yeah, them over two thousand. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea did them over at Stamford Bridge in a kind of really kind of naive English performance, the one, like I was mentioning before. Under Viali, it was. Yeah, mm. and, and then and then they went to New Camp, which just got obliterated. Yeah. It, it went to extra time, but it was still an obliteration. Five one, they lost the second. Yeah, so they won three one the first leg. It was three one after the end of ninety minutes in in the Camp Nou, and then two more in extra yeah, time. Yeah, it, it just it just felt like an annihilation, it's, which is quite rare for a and game I, that goes to extra time. I'll tell you how long ago that game was. I was in Boston at the time. In, mm. uh, Boston, the US, not not Lincolnshire. No. <laughs> and uh, I naively live. assumed that I'd, I'd just Me be too. able to find a sports bar that, that would be showing the Is game. Is that right? And I spent a lot of time that day walking around Boston going, Is anywhere showing the football? Yeah. No, no, I'm not, not really no. a basketball fan, lad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this game, we'll come on to the second leg. I watched this, or certainly the second half of it, in a hostel in Mendoza in uh, Western yeah. Argentina. Wow. Mm. Not Mendoza, Lincolnshire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) certainly not. Um, Chelsea went into the second leg actually, having won the League Cup halfway between the two legs, which is which is quite a kind of a rare privilege for an English team because no other country obviously has that second cup competition. It's quite a morale boost, Mm -hmm. and it was. Was that that the one where they beat Liverpool? Yeah, the the first trophy under the Abramovich era, which is a huge moment for them. Yeah, and also Mourinho shushing the Liverpool fans as well. So there was. He was quite happily stoking the. Yeah, what well, he was, he was right at the sweet spot of his of his kind of telegenic celebrations at that point, or the <laughs> waving, the windmilling of the arms. He he probably passed his kind of touchline, kind of sliding era, but he was he was he loved whipping up the crowd sort of during and after games. Yeah. All right, let's have a quick break, and then we'll talk about the second leg. Oh, and he so nearly got a hand on it. In fact, he did get a hand on it, but it slipped in. And it's game on again, and the travelling fans have finally got something to shout about. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Again here, here's Iniesta and Ronaldinho trying something clever and in. What an extraordinary goal. Welcome back to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. Right then, Adam. So they've lost the first leg 2-1. They've got them back at their place at Stamford Bridge. That's right. And well, they're kind of handicapped by the fact that Drog was suspended. Yes. Um, Robin, who who perhaps wasn't necessarily an instant first choice under Mourinho, was injured anyway. So he kind of abandoned slightly his his 4-3-3 and went for a more standard-looking 4-4-2, and that's how it appeared on the on the TV graphics beforehand. And you thought, oh, this looks very traditional. But it, it, as it turned out, it was only a 4-4-2 of sorts. Uh, Joe Cole was nominally deployed on the right, Duff more naturally on the left, and then you had the very reliable midfield central pair of of McAuley and Lampard and it looked very sturdy but up front you had Gajonson and Kesman. Yeah, I mean that's how long ago Kesman, you know, you think <laughs> blimey, yeah, that's yeah. But um I mean we can go on to this again but um Kesman kind of played the Drogba role fairly well. He Kesman ran was the channel. Much 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 better player than he's given credit for. Yeah. yeah, he was he was really quick. Not he was quite tall. So he had the kind of basic weaponry to play that Drogba yeah, role. Yeah, sort of second leg. gangly aspect which I think made many people didn't quite appreciate that he had that sort of physicality. Obviously he wasn't as physical, he wasn't no. as strong as Drogba, but very he, game. Yeah, and he he was just somebody who yeah, game's a good word for it. He he's just somebody who did what he was told and tried really hard and mm. But people wanted him to score goals. You know, he was yeah, one of those more. But not... that was he was one of those players who seemed to score goals, like hundreds of goals in in the Netherlands, and then couldn't quite do it mm-hmm. anywhere else. I mean, I, I mentioned this game because it was when I first saw Robin, but he he also played when uh, PSV. I saw them win six one at RKC Wolvik, and Robin got a hat trick and Kesman got a hat trick. <laughs> uh, didn't know who either player was before <laughs> the game. Nor did I know the lumbering fullback Cali Bulavus, who Robin <laughs> absolutely devastated. Um, we also had the um, who ended up being the top two in the Ballon d'Or that year in Lampard and, and Ronaldinho. So uh, the mid two thousands is is a strange time for for European superstars. The Ballon d'Or kind of got shared around quite a lot. It didn't wasn't quite the kind of duopoly that it that it became later on. Um, but Lampard and Ronaldinho were very contrasting kind of superstars. One on each one on each side, and and it kind of set the game up very nicely. And the, the already enduring narrative of having t- teams with incredibly contrasting styles, managers who hated each other, and uh, as I said, it this was a burgeoning European rival anyway. This this second leg was was teed up absolutely perfect, and it was a good Barcelona side. You know, some very um, 
well-known names, and there's your Valdez, you've mentioned, but Puyol, Van Broncos, Deco, Xavi, Ronaldinho, Eto, Iniesta. You know, <laughs> it's no mugs. It was a very, very good sign. Yeah, Iniesta looks incredibly young when you're looking back at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to say, I, I, I couldn't work out who he was because he had hair. <laughs> yeah. it, who's, who's that dark-haired... Oh, it's Iniesta. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, yeah and he, he certainly didn't, he didn't really sort of impose himself in the game as he would have later mm-hmm. have done because um, there's Deco and, and Xavi inside the midfield with him. Well, the odd thing was the first leg was Maxi Lopez who came off a bench to turn it. And, and that's all I remember him ever doing yeah. in, in my head is this, 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 this kind of odd looking blonde chap which and, and blonde hair and a, and a Barcelona shirt is a kind of incongruous look anyway mm. and yeah he came in sort of turned this game and I never saw him again and I thought where the hell did he go <laughs> but it, in the second leg it shows you how spicy an affair it was because Pierluigi Colina was in charge and he was usually appointed when you know yeah. I, I remember England going away to Turkey you know the, these kind of games where you think oh they, they brought the big man in <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like he's like a referee slash bouncer it was a bit like no it's a bit like when a headmaster comes in yeah. to do a lesson <laughs> yeah 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 that's it, and, uh, it. <laughs> it, it's, it's a kind of a rare refereeing appointment which was so specifically done to, to kind of mm. quell any any sense that UEFA were trying to you know mm. diddle Chelsea essentially yeah. so they got their best man in this was his final season as a referee as well yeah. and uh, you know it, it, there's a bit of revisionism or there was live revisionism about Kalina saying he was the best in the world and he had his flaws just like any other referee because it's it's all circumstantial so yes he, they, he was the best man for the job but you know he made plenty of mistakes in that game as well just like any other referee would but have I, I think the point about Kalina was he had the personality that you were convinced that if he made mistakes if they were gen, genuine mistakes exactly. and also very very few games under him got out of hand yes. he, he was tough enough to keep the players under control well, Mourinho under control and, and, probably you know, this be. is a game that the way it went it could easily have oh. it, you know it could easily have um, spiralled uh, out of control uh, done, a, done an aura brew and I, I think Mourinho actually lobbied for him to referee the game which kind of swung the power <laughs> shift the other way so this, this is the referee that Chelsea wanted so yeah but that's sort of classic Mourinho as well because he thinks to himself okay they're probably going to yeah. appoint the big man on me I'll make it out that I want him and it looks like we've got we want it'll wind up Barcelona but it's all you know he's a puppet master isn't he you know, or certainly trying to be absolutely and uh, no he had, he had a decent game but uh, Joe Cole in particular w- was on the wrong end of his decisions throughout the 90 minutes <laughs> minutes he got increasingly infuriated with, with Kalina but only up to a point because you don't go charging up to Kalina no. and shout in his face and and yeah I suppose Jonathan's right and it's, it's only Joe break. Cole it's yeah, not John yeah, Terry yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Joe Cole has a brilliant game yeah he, he is the standout player by absolute mile I mean uh, there is so much focus on Ronaldinho for his goal there's focus on John Terry for his winning goal and, and his performance in the game and and check for his incredibly crucial saves but Joe Cole was consistently superb throughout the whole game yeah. Yeah. one and, can forget he was he was a player I mean I know was it under Ancelotti he said the, the problem with Cole he didn't understand some tactical instructions mm. or whatever but he did have a bit of magic in those in those feet he was a really intelligent footballer I mean he loved football he he, mm. he would it's not he's not saying he was a student of the game but he really loved football and wanted to see it played the right way and he wasn't um, a you know a kind of loose maverick in that sense but uh, he was the symbol of of early Mourinho at Chelsea just molding this player who who had incredible technical skills but only in a very local sense like he would turn on the ball but what can he actually do with it mm. and uh, Mourinho turned him into just a really really direct uh, I don't want to use the word functional but just effective player he, he drove forward with the ball which is what you know he had the skills to do and he hadn't been doing that up until this point and that's what brings the first goal five minutes in the- yeah, yeah um, well it's it was uh, I think it's it's Chavi um, 
uh, she slips and let, sort of Lampard steals it off him and, and you can the crowd suddenly <laughs> with Chelsea in the tank go right, right something's going to happen something and um, Kesman races down the right because Kesman was everywhere yeah. during that game and, and doing this kind of Drogba role of r- running the channels for his team um, but he, uh, he curled this beautiful cross round the Barcelona defence for Johnson. Uh, at that point it was barely a quarter chance let alone a half chance lovely ball from Kesman really yeah be- the sort of cross you just think oh Love to have played that myself. Be- Beckham-esque, you could say. A little bit, yeah. But it's kind of evaded the all of the Barcelona defence as it arced around the back. Um, but landing on Good Johnson's left foot with a defender in front of him, the angle not particularly favourable. Um, it needed a touch like Good Johnson had <laughs> to bring it back inside. And, and to have that kind of, I, I hesitate to say ice cool because it's Good Johnson, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um, to have that kind of awareness and presence of mind to bring it back inside and, and then finish it. And then... Stafford Bridge just erupted and uh, yeah I mean, the atmosphere that night I remember being especially that first 20 minutes being absolutely incredible it's just when you when they when a crowd an, an English crowd get that sense that it's on we, we've got this game by the, by the scruff yeah. of the neck already mm. um, well and yeah that first 20 minutes it's all that momentum yes uh, and, and it's it almost came too early. You don't often see it in the first 20 minutes. It's normally the last 20 minutes when that happens. Yeah, yeah. you can score too early, but I didn't know you could go 3-0 up. Too early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but, and we'll, we'll talk about the three goals, but uh, the one, th- the thing I remember about each of them is not the ball going in. It, it's, the, it's the running power and, and the directness involved and, dare I say it, the verticality of it all. It's, it was, it's all very just forward and get the ball up as, as quickly as you can, but, you know, effectively to a man, not, not into a space. Uh, and then within, the ne- within 10 minutes... Um, Chelsea had made it too, and this was this was classic Lampard. Joe I mean, Lampard had missed a good chance previously. Yeah, it I, I was, was a slightly difficult one to take, I admit, but it was a chance nonetheless. I was right behind that in the trajectory of the ball as as he Terry nodded it down, it bounced up, and then um, he kind of swivelled or just on the edge it was of the six like yard a spinning box, volley, spinning volley, and and the way he turned, you knew the ball was going to only go upwards, and it, he wasn't as horrified as as some players might have been because he was all alone with with that chance and. He could have been forgiven for thinking this might be our last chance to get back into the game. But mm. as it turned out, a few minutes later, Cole's going down the right. He had Giovanni van Bronckhorst for his, as his direct adversary. And yeah, if you if you go into the dictionary for torrid time, you'll see Joe Cole. Versus <laughs> van Bronckhorst got booked and then uh, was taken off at halftime for Silvino, um, which would have made Chelsea fans slightly nervous um, because uh, Silvino was w- one of those... Um, weird string of Arsenal left-backs who scored from 30 yeah, yards yeah, yeah, season after season after season. <laughs> it seemed quite... Yeah. Um, so Van Bronckhorst was yeah, had on toast by Joe Cole who's um, scissored inside him. In the, and, and the thing about Joe Cole, for all his talent and for all that Mourinho moulded him to a very, very good player, his end product was not world-class. It was, it was fairly mediocre. He, he didn't have a decent cross. He didn't have a decent shot. He was just a very good technical player. And, and so it turned out in this case, he, he hit a left-foot shot... Uh, and which deflected, and Valdez could only stick out this kind of hapless left hand, and then and then it just turned into the you know the archetypal Lampard goal appearing out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's managed to ghost in. No one's followed him. He's there yeah. when the ball drops to beautiful was, Lampard play. Yes, and it was an obsession for Lampard. Um, I I remember him. He he said to a I can't remember who it was, but he said to a sort of future Chelsea teammate of his who said he, he wanted to get in the box and score more goals. And Lampard said, you should get to the six-yard box and score more goals. <laughs> That's where the real action is. And, and, and Lampard, obviously, as we all know, had this knack of, of timing and, and space. But really, it's just opportunism, knowing that that ball six times out of ten is going to fall for you in the penalty area after a shot. And he got in there and he, and he made it 2-0. And, and uh, you know, 
as we all know, in that sort of scenario, you know something is going to happen at that point. Mm. But such as the psychology of a of a two legged European tie, it's never that simple. But having a third goal after nineteen minutes, two minutes after two that, minutes. Like yeah, goal. and that's what I mean about the momentum. There's just sort of sense of kind of it, you know, it, it's it's the it's the finish from Duff is is a really odd finish. Mm. So you know, it's it's Cashman and Cole. Who, it's a break. Cashman and Cole little interchange. Duff set free. And, and, and he, Duff's he, in a world of space. He's loads of space because Barca... They've, they've gone. gone. They've, they've gone. gone. Their heads have gone. <laughs> um, and he's supposed to be 22, 23 yards out. Wait, Valdez he, had come out so far. And he just side-foots the best Valdez. And it's sort of... That, that shouldn't be a goal. Mm. You shouldn't be allowed to side-foot the ball from that far <laughs> out and it go in and that be the right thing to do. It take, takes real guts to finish first time in that scenario. Yeah. And, you know, back in those... I said those days, 04, 05, the pitch was never guaranteed to be good then. The yeah. pitch was okay at Stamford Bridge so to have kind of the sureness of foot um, to know that you can just slot it past the keeper and the thing about thing about Duff is that he's, he's kind of an underrated figure in, in the early Mourinho side he, he kind of he didn't last that long at Chelsea really but it was just the way he moved he, he kind of scampered across the pitch he was kind of an ungainly looking chap you know so he used to sort of plod along as he walks and then when he suddenly broke into into a run he looked quite good um, but yeah, he's, he had, a player, he's a player who 10 years earlier would have been playing for Blackburn <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that that's what he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, more or less a very kind of old school winger. But Chelsea turned him into this kind of outside left, and uh, yeah, he loved it. And his celebration was the best of all of yeah. all the goals scored that night. I, I do love a kind of touchline beeline celebration <laughs> where he goes to nobody in particular and then sort of stops and goes, "What am I doing here?" And then sort of just <laughs> celebrates. And he's, he's mobbed and and at three 0 after nineteen minutes, he's getting mobbed by by the. Chelsea players, on yeah, and Joe Cole is screaming into the night sky, and all the you know, the, the stadium is rocking. And at that stage, you think this is done, this is dusted, this is three nil. Nothing's going to come back from that. But such is the psychology of a two leg game, and only became apparent once Barcelona eventually scored that they think, oh shit, long way to go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But you get swept away in the moment at that time. You think nothing can touch us right now at this very moment because they look done. Yeah, well, and they they'd seen. I mean, didn't under Viali that game that you mentioned? Didn't they go three nil up? At home, yes, and I can remember Viali kind of celebrating euphorically, going, ah, "We're three 0 up against Barcelona." Now, yeah. obviously, it didn't happen, mm. but here's you know a few years later, there they are, three 0 up. This is a better side; they're more sure of themselves yeah. under yeah. Mourinho, as, as you say, um, and they're thinking, "Right, we, we've got them again. We are competing with one of the biggest sides in the land in this competition. This is a new era for Chelsea, where we actually are the best team, and as they go on to prove in the league." We're not that side who wins the odd FA Cup, you know, yeah. which is still an achievement, but you may be second or third best team. And and they're thinking, right, we'll be okay. But as you say, suddenly uh, Barcelona start to come forward and back in the game because you can't keep that momentum up and so on. And suddenly it's like, oh yeah, there's Eto, there's Ronaldinho, Oh, they're creating chances. And then, of course, Barcelona, they get a penalty. That's right. I mean, so it's 27 is, minutes in. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of an element of, of street wisdom comes in. Barcelona played at that point after that initial storm, they played like a team who knew that one goal would really yeah. turn the tie completely. Uh, as it turned out, it was a very, very fortuitous moment. It was a very hopeful cross swung in. And and I never understand why defenders do this. And it, it baffles me why they would let themselves be in that position. But he went up for a header 
Uh, and he, oh, he's not a particularly commanding presence in the air. Anyway. Paolo, Paolo Ferreira. Ferreira we're yeah, about. sorry, Paolo Ferreira. And up went this arm. and, and uh, so daft. All the players around him knew. Uh, in the replay, you can see John Terry's horrified face before the ball even hits Ferreira's arm. saying, oh no, I can see this. <laughs> yeah. And there wasn't much protest. Ferreira kind of looked like his house had just burned down. But um, but there was no real kind of protest for, for Kalina, and who was very decisive, pointed at the spot straight away. And um, Ronaldinho, who who kind of steadied himself and and I think he was he he wasn't one for kind of hoodwinking the goalkeeper. Czech was bouncing around on his line offering him all sorts of options. Ronaldinho just put the ball down and said, "Right, I'm just going to put it there." Mm. And that's exactly where he put it in the bottom left. And um and then there was this just hush at Stamford Bridge when you just thought, "Oh no." Cuz is... suddenly Barcelona is just that one more goal is all they need. Exactly. And and as fans you feel so stupid that you you kind of yeah. you've hoodwinked yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you think we should have known that it would be this close. <laughs> we should have known that if they scored once it was all going to be up in the air and all the three nils out the window. So, mm. yeah, yeah, the the game for a, from a neutral was it was perfect. That mm. goal was came at a very very good time. Yeah, and then there's the game now. It really starts to come more kind of a, a balanced game because that kind of 20 minute spell, as you saw, 19 minute spell when Chelsea sort of blitzed them. It's almost like Chelsea needed that. Without that, they wouldn't have perhaps been in the tie. And that kind of helped to re- rebalance it, obviously, massively in their favour. Mm. But then it's kind of like, right, Barcelona creep back in. And then you have a bit more of a game of football where it's, it starts to become end-to-end. But then but only 11 minutes after that so, penalty. Yeah, seven minutes before half-time. So it's ridiculous first half. Yeah. yeah. And and an extraordinary goal. because I mean, I, I remember yeah, I, was, you know, I was in the press box at Sanford Bridge and sort of seeing Ronaldinho and sort of one of those moments where the game seems to have stopped the ball she's at his yeah, feet yeah. he's what 20 well, he's just outside the D isn't he so mm. 24 yards out whatever. Right. or is he just inside the D maybe just outside the box yeah. anyway Carvalho's seemingly in the right place he stood him up alright what's Ronaldinho going to do here there's not really much on little shake oh, of the hips he's going to wiggle his hips create a tiny bit of space and then just prod it into the bottom corner and again, a bit like the Duff goal, just a goal you think, oh, I don't really understand how that... Well, Czech didn't even... Czech's not that far away well, from Well, he, he obviously can't see it. I Clearly. think Carvalho's... He had no clue. ...blocking his sight, and suddenly the ball's fizzed past him. With a little toe end, so there's a bit of topspin on it. Yeah. It's a, it's a rare... It's not the type of goal because of the technique used that, that you see. Mm. And I think people are a bit like, can you do that? And that, <laughs> for, for me, I'm, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else, of course, but for me, that's when, um, in my mind that people then started talking about futsal because they said, oh, that was the technique used often Absolutely. in futsal. And yeah. there's, there's this game with a smaller, slightly smaller but weighted ball they play. Well, yeah, I think that's because and... you know, futsal, if you, I mean, I have to say I find it incredibly boring to watch <laughs> because it becomes a bit like handball. My problem with handball is that every every game seems to degenerate into you have a ring of defenders, I don't know how many you have, you have a ring of defenders mm. and the forward just passing it backwards and forwards like, yeah. along that line. And yeah, yeah, yeah. A, the, you know, the, the game is obviously about creating those little moments of space where you can fire in a shot. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what Ronaldinho does here. He yeah. kind of, you know, he, he, he's, it's almost like a, yeah, like, like an indoor goal in that he's just created a tiny bit of space, a little jab. Yeah. And if we did it on a, with the, you know, the balls that we use on a heavy grass pitch and not actually being as that good at football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the last part is the crucial thing. I mean, I I, I played I played a couple of games of futsal once in um, Granada State Prison against the drug swing. And uh, <laughs> g- yeah, genuinely. And uh, yeah, you can try and toe punt it all you want. So you have know? you got your tag off yet? Or? <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a tag that day. Well, the, the, Brazilian, the magic man. The Brazilians just don't have the same stigma about toe pokes as we kind of have. Over- it's a well, very Mario e- scored loads yeah, of them. Yeah, it's a very effective Ronaldo weapon. did the same thing. Well, this is, this is it. It's 
it's it's a very functional thing to do. Mm. And and I don't want to denigrate this girl because I know it's passed into kind of semi legend, and I don't want to call it underrated, uh, overrated. I just say it's misappreciated because. The little dance he does in front of Carvalho, who who and Carvalho's only obsession at that point is to not get nutmegged. He closes, <laughs> yeah. he closes his knees like well, a little he's boy who needs a wee. And um, <laughs> so all he's obsessed about is, is, is this ball is not going through my legs. And Ronaldinho does this little dance, kind of assessing his options. But I think he's already decided what he's going to do. And the toe poke, because goalkeepers traditionally are kind of they're conditioned subconsciously to, to react to the to the backswing of a leg. Yes. And then and that kind of sort of that beat of a backswing of a leg and then the impact. But Ronaldinho doesn't offer him that. So not only can he not see the ball, probably because there's about four defenders in front of him, not only can he see the early trajectory of the ball, but he didn't know when the ball was going to be struck anyway. So it's just a really effective way of of stealing a march on a goalkeeper in in that respect. And a, and a defence who, are, who, again, who are, the, who are ready to stick out their leg when they see the back leg, the sort of backswing of the leg. Mm. So it's just a very functional goal in a most beautiful way possible. It, yeah. It, yeah, it was a real juxtaposition of that. It's just sort yeah. of fusing, as you said, the functionality and the the, the beautiful skill and, and all yeah. the rest of it, which Ronaldinho in those days did. You know, people forget that he was actually um, he was a team player. You know, he did have a good Absolutely. work rate and so yeah. on. You know, we perhaps sadly well, to, to be fair. Like the the person who really criticises him for his individualism is Louis van Gaal. His ideas of teamwork are quite specific. <laughs> well, I'm thinking though that I mean van Gaal's problem with him was van van Gaal said Ronaldinho was brilliant playing mm. on the left and cutting inside, and he fitted my system doing that, and we could just about get enough work out of him in terms of pressing, <laughs> and we could cover for his inadequacies in that regard. And van Gaal's so you know he won the Ballon d'Or and came back and said, right, I'm playing number ten. And van Gaal was like, we don't have a number ten. Mm. Yeah, you know, we. We play four three three. Stay out on the left. You're doing fine. You've just won the Ballon d'Or doing it. No, I want to play as a number ten. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think we we remember. Well, one can remember Ronaldinho latterly when he was. Yeah, quite when, when his pace had Whereas gone. These and, yeah. years at Barcelona, he was he was magnificent. But anyway, at half time, it, it's three two, and it swung back Barcelona's way because um, they're winning away on goals, away goals, yeah. and we get into the second half, and it just suddenly becomes sort of end to end. Really, I mean, there's some magnificent saves from Czech and. As near misses and so on, but I mean, what do you remember of of that second half, Adam? Because it just seems almost like a uh, just a flurry of activity to me. Well, again, this is where the psychology of a, of a two legged tie kicks in because well, Barcelona knew what they needed to do, but Chelsea would, were kind of stuck. They weren't really sure what their game plan. Well, Chelsea's was. problem is if they let in one, they've got to score two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're already going out, but the the damage that letting one in would do is so profound that mm-hmm. you can't you can't risk it. It's a bit like. Um, United at PSG last season mm. that they end up having to kill the first half hour of the second half and go for it in the last quarter yeah. hour where Solskjaer got his tactics right uh-huh. note the date uh-huh. and um, it, I, I, I mean Chelsea didn't really do that here but that, no. that's kind of they had to get through sort of half an hour or so without letting one in to give themselves the chance in the last quarter well that's hour. right and it, it was fairly kind of neurotic half an hour or so in that sort of period of indecision because um, uh, as, as the game kind of toed and, toed and froed if you watch the kind of the brief highlights of the game, you'll see the flurry of the first half and then it kind of sort of fast forwards to, to Terry scoring the winner. But in that kind of half an hour in between that, there was so much going well, on. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think that is often overlooked in the game. Yeah. Um, the second half was brilliant. Yeah, the second half was superb because <laughs> it it became, as, as we understand it, an English football game to be. It was kind of end-to-end, <laughs> yeah. both teams going for it. Lampard and Cole were just throwing themselves into great tackles yeah. and Kalina was letting it all flow, which was great. And uh, But... Czech made some incredible saves. There was, there was one from a diving head of oh, Carlos Puyol. From, from the, yeah, and, uh, stunning save. And he flung himself at it. And 
to be fair, it was it was sort of at check, but he had to react very quickly. But he didn't hold on to it exactly. <laughs> it, it kind of trickled just away from it on the line, mm. and then he had to dive on it on the line in a sort of half movement. And it, everyone sort of looking down on it from the shed upper. So it went, oh god, <laughs> and um, and 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 that's it, that sort of thing just carried on the second half. Carvalho, who was absolutely immaculate in that game, he didn't do anything wrong, and not because he didn't take risks. Carvalho did took as many risks as. as as he could, um, there was one. There was one attack where Etu came racing through on his left foot. Carvalho mm-hmm. was behind him, and uh, no defender on earth would think about making a tackle yeah. in that set. There is there's the odds are way against you in every sense. But he sort of got this toe on the oh. ball around and away from Etu, and everyone looked and turned at Kalina and said, "Oh, don't <laughs> give it, don't give it." And it was a perfectly good tackle. And it was it was, it was a superb challenge, which. Only a handful of centre halves could have made Absolutely. that. I, I loved Carvalho. Yeah. I, he was he was the perfect. You, we talk about sort of strike partnerships, the little and large partnerships like Quinn and Phillips or something like that. But you, they happen at centre halves. Is that correct? Right? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I know. I, I know my guest. Normally he's he's the one who says that. But uh, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it was he was just the perfect foil. If you don't, you often use that word for centre halves. But it's he was true. the perfect it foil for Terry. Yeah, he was kind of just kind of. Um, this kind of shady kind of sidekick for, for, for Terry's absolute muscle. And well, Terry was superb as well. And obviously his goal capped it off. But Carvalho, and we talk about the dark arts and that sort of stuff. And then there was the, his contribution in, in inverted commas to the winning goal. But he was otherwise absolutely brilliant. He was the sort of defender you want who could, t- who could fling himself into a tackle, make it look desperate and still time it perfectly. Yeah. And but if it wasn't for him, I think Barcelona would have, would have, would have won. Well, I mean, uh, yes, <laughs> we could move on to uh, perhaps the, the case in point there with uh, John Terry's goal when the, the corner comes in and Terry heads it towards the goal into mm. the space. And Carvalho, uh, perhaps his most vital contribution <laughs> of the evening is to impede Victor Valdez's goal and the ball well, goes it's, in. It's such a weird foul. I've never seen anything like it because it's not a push. He doesn't get in his way. It's not like he's blocking him off. It ostensibly it looks like and this, and it, and from Valdez's appeal it also seems like he's just kind of tugged him back as, yeah. as if he's like stopping a child running onto the tracks or something like that it's just like <laughs> no you're not getting there and if he hadn't failed him there seems to be no explanation why Valdez hasn't flung himself across his goal and saved it it's a really strange header because it's an outswing corner Terry kind of gets onto it in a sort of sideways glance and it, we're talking maybe 16 yards out it's a really strange header. There's, mm. there's not a lot of power in it. It bounces in and it does curve away from Valdez into the, into the far post, but it's just a really odd header. And it's, it's, um, I'm, I just don't understand why Valdez hasn't saved it. Every time I watch it, I think, how, how has this gone in? Yeah. Valdez would say the reason why he didn't save it was because of the foul by Carvalho. Yeah. But I, I, I take the point. I can't <laughs> see the tug. You watch it very closely on this kind of blurry footage. I just, I just can't see the foul happening. And I don't understand why Kalina wouldn't have given it if he didn't see it. Yeah. And, and you suspect because of that, that had there been VAR, then it still would have counted because it's, there was nothing clear and obvious yeah, about it. Yeah, it's quite sad. I look at it, I watch that goal in that context now. I think mm. if VIR had been there, I think it would have been I mean, I think there. one of the things, I mean, let's absolutely not make this about VAR, but one of the things <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that the VAR has done yeah. that I think is a positive is it does change the mentality of defenders. If you feel the all-seeing God staring at you, mm. then you behave better, right? I suppose so. Um, I, I don't know what it means for centre-halves who've gone up for a corner in the very decisive moment of a, of a second leg of a Champions League tie. Maybe you don't tug the goalkeeper, but mm. I, maybe you just give it a go. But yeah. um, as weird as that header is, 
there's a there's a lovely little moment um, where the camera's focused on Terry just before the com- the corner's about to come in because he is obviously the focal point of, of the corner yeah. and he sticks his he, he sticks um, a hand signal just just down low out, out of anybody's sight it's just a single finger sing- saying here dip, yeah. pointing down and sort of Duff has seen it he says right so it means Terry's not going to go into the six yard box and kind of attack the ball he's going to stay exactly where he is and so the corner is planted right in his head and. You know, moments like that, and, and take, for example, Chelsea's equaliser in the 2012 Champions League final where where the ball is planted right on the head of Drogba. And it's moments like that you think, that guy had to get that corner just right. Mm. Otherwise, history would have been completely different. Mm. So so Duff's corner is is, is absolutely plumb, plumb on his head and, and he doesn't have to move and he, and he sort of gets everything he can onto it. Absolutely. And quite predictably, two minutes later... Um, Mourinho takes Gujonson off Thiago's brought on and then not long after that you know Robert Huth is brought on for Damien <laughs> Duff I mean it's a proper job and but you can understand why because yeah. and it worked and it worked they've got the lead and I, and I think when that goal goes in yes there's I mean there's hindsight talking really but of course there's, there's possibilities that could be another goal mm. but it, it, perhaps it also felt maybe it was like that was the last play and and I think the, for me watching it when it was 3-2 it was like our team was going for the winning goal if you see what I mean because yes. Barcelona would have killed off the tie Chelsea yes a little bit more open of course but they got that goal and and they held on for a, for a famous victory well it's, it's quite handy when you've got Robert Huth coming on because <laughs> Uh, he's standing there on a touchline and Barcelona were bringing on a player at the same time and Huth just sort of towers over him on, on the halfway line as they're both coming on and you think yeah this is going to be alright mm-hmm. the Chelsea fans are sort of welcoming me onto the pitch with a, with a roaring Huth <laughs> and uh, his job as it turned out was just to station himself on the edge of the six yard box alongside Terry and Carvalho and just head everything away and everything he headed went about 20 yards further than a normal human being <laughs> yeah and what, what did this result mean for Mourinho Jonathan and obviously a lot but was the, did you feel that this? Yeah, I, I think this this was him sort of just reminding Barcelona, ah, look what you could have won. <laughs> uh, but of course, you know, this is really the beginning of his war with the authorities because, yeah. you know, he he's then uh, William Gaillard, the uh, director of communications through UEFA, um, complains about uh, about him using the 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 uh, the, the media as a pre match tactic ahead of a second leg, like. Yes, <laughs> and Volker Roth, the, uh, the the head of referees committee, calls him an enemy of football. He ends up being banned for the Bayern game, the quarter final. Yeah. That's when he got all the laundry basket, or or not, we don't know. <laughs> and Rui Faria supposedly having kind of headphones yeah. under his hat and being forced to take off his hat at half time by UEFA. <laughs> and all, I just, I mean, like, I love it. <laughs> he was banned. Yeah. He was banned for the quarter final. Yeah, the touchline, wasn't he? Yeah, that's that's, that's and so they, they supposedly supposedly sneaked him into the dressing room in the laundry basket and yeah. and, and, and and you know, but I just but just the 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 idea that a football scandal in those days, given what's happening in Manchester City at the minute, yeah. the idea that a football scandal in those days at the time of recording was <laughs> was a, an assistant manager being forced to take a woolly hat to see <laughs> an illegal earpiece. <laughs> but that it's was a, the thing, Mourinho. Like I say, you mentioned he was almost like the puppet master. This is the the fear he struck. You know, the yes. the kind of myth of Mourinho, if you like. UEFA described him as creating a poisonous and negative ambience, yeah. which it sounds both like classic UEFA speak 
but also sums it all up quite nicely. This that could have been a kind of subtitle of a, of a Mourinho biography Indeed. at that time. <laughs> Fair to say that, that that problem was never dealt with properly, was <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, but he got his win, and uh, they would go out, of course, to Liverpool in the yeah semi final against a manager, who, the manager at that time who who had Mourinho's number by absolutely <laughs> without any shadow of a doubt, the only manager in English football really who who had worked him out properly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Adam, it's been a pleasure talking to you about that game. Thank a, you so a much. marvelous game of football, and uh, yeah, one. Uh, we'll live long in the memory so thank you very much indeed thank you Jonathan as always for more stories like that go to theblizzard.co.uk we'll see you next week for another great game from football you just feel like every time there's a set piece there's going to be a chance it's Terry's header and it's in the captain's done it again unbelievable John Terry This was a Stakhanov production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.